Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Oh yeah, dude, didn't get back until fucking 11.30 last night or something. Went to bed at fucking 12.30 or some shit. Got up at 4, went back to work. Brutal. Yuck. Yeah, not great, Bob. It nope. was not fun. That drive to work was brutal. There's always tomorrow. There is always tomorrow. And I'm glad you remembered that we're recording today. Barely. Barely. <laughs> yeah, you remembered when I texted you. Yes, I, I, I remember when I was reminded. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, I was kind of scrambling all afternoon, and I just lost track. And it's like, oh, yeah, that is tonight. Shoot. Well, that's all right, man. That's okay. We're going to have a bonus episode later this week. Pump we are. I'm stoked. Can't fucking wait. Well, but we'll cover all that. All right. Uh, in the meantime, welcome back to the South End Zone. Part of the Belly of Sports Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulher, as always. Eric, what's going on, man? You ready for Big 12 Part Two? I am. And we're, uh, I didn't realize this until we started kind of filling in the win totals, uh, just how we split up the conference. Like this is clearly the better half, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or at least Vegas thinks this is the better half, uh, yeah. that we're doing tonight. Yeah, no doubt. But you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, better to get the trash taken out early. Yeah. There was a lot of fringe bowl eligible teams last week, and now we've got some, some sturdier numbers. Indeed. And speaking of, t- before we get into the Big 12, speaking of taking out the trash, oh, uh, yeah. if, unless you are, you know, a casual football fan who has been living under a rock the last week or so, then you would know that Northwestern launched an investigation, I believe back in December, Eric, is that correct? An independent uh- Independent investigation back in December. I, th- I don't remember if December is when they started the investigation, you know, with the outside firm and all that, or if mm-hmm. that's when they first started getting the complaints. But yeah, it's been going it, on for quite some time. Around the first of the year, um, yeah. they started looking into some hazing allegations. Yes. So uh, hazing allegations at Northwestern. And I'm talking this shit. Like, if you haven't read the story, you need to go read it because, the, like, some of the stuff it, that, when I read it, Eric, my initial reaction was there is no way that this stuff is made up. You know, him knowing about it or not knowing about it, we'll get to that. That's a separate issue. But <laughs> the way that the stuff was detailed out 
and exactly how they just intimately described everything. I was like, this yeah. is really fucking elaborate. So if this is a bunch of lies, somebody went to great lengths to come up. Yeah, with mul- multiple people uh, went to great lengths. <laughs> that, that was my first yeah. thought. I was like, boy, this is, <laughs> this is out there. I mean, I was in the Navy in the nineties. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I know my way around some, some hazing. This was no like, wow that's that's pretty that's pretty it harsh ne- it was some next level shit like the car wash thing made me laugh <laughs> that was too, that was too much man so if you're a listener and you haven't read the story the car wash go. thing reminded me of like a like an 80s college frat movie like revenge of the nerds type of thing oh like, yeah like what are we yeah. doing here yeah, there, there's a certain things there. There's certain things that I would just be unwilling to do. I'd be like, nah, bruh, I'm hitting the transfer portal. Sorry. But Northwestern suspended Pat Fitzgerald for two weeks a few days ago in the middle of July, which an independent investigation revealed that he had no knowledge of any such happenings and they suspended him for two weeks. And then over the next 48 hours, something changed and they fired his ass yesterday. And he yeah. still owed forty million dollars on his 40 contract. Something, I think he got an extension uh, after the they won the West in twenty twenty, which I had yeah. forgotten because they've been so shit and terrible the last two years. But they yes, after the twenty twenty season, he got an extension. He is owed forty ish million dollars on his current contract that they are going to try to get out of by firing him for cause. Pat Fitzgerald came forward with a statement that he has faith in his agent and his legal counsel to stand mm-hmm. by his rights. So uh, translation, massive lawsuit incoming. Yeah. Uh, and then th- going back to what you said earlier, what changed was the student newspaper put out an article with the actual details. Correct. Like his initial report is, yes, there were some confirmed reports of hazing. Uh, we didn't find anything that proves he knew what was going on, but because mm-hmm. he's the steward of the program, you know, the old Friday afternoon news dump, we're going to suspend him unpaid two weeks yeah. in July, which is he's not doing anything anyway. Yeah. It, uh, the story came out the from the student paper and it was, it was detailed. It and, was very, very detailed. And, and that's what changed. Uh, um, because indeed. And the, the, this is a quote from the, president of the university at Northwestern, quote, the decision comes after a difficult and complex evaluation of my original discipline decision imposed last week on Coates Fitzgerald for his failure to know and prevent significant hazing in the football program. So, end quote. So basically, (laughs) we fired him because he lack of oversight basically lack of institutional control i guess that's going to be their their leg to stand on and firing him for calls and getting out of the buyout yeah probably and i would actually argue him not knowing is almost more inexcusable than him you know he he was a player there He, he was a linebacker he's a college football hall of famer he's been part of northwestern's football program since the early 90s and if he's kind of carrying forward maybe some things he might have gone through 30 years ago that wouldn't surprise me, and I would at least understand why a, a head coach who knew some things like that were happening, maybe not to the, the detailed extent that they were reported, but was aware that things that you know he maybe wouldn't be proud of to talk about at dinner parties were going on. But to not know, I mean, like that's saying you know I'm incapable of fixing it because I didn't even know it was a problem when it was happening, right? Yeah. So yeah. That to me is almost almost more inexcusable that he's going to claim, oh, well, I had no idea this was happening. Well, then what are you doing all day? 
That's, yeah, I, I don't buy that he didn't have a clue that it was going on. I mean, now some, a lot of coaches, they don't want to see that kind of stuff. They, they shy away from it. They're like, nah, I don't want to see it. Don't want to know what's going on. Don't care. But it's the the one word that I can come up with is just like negligent. If he didn't yeah. know, then Derelict. it's just negligent as shit. Yeah. But if he did know, then yeah, absolutely. He deserves to be shit canned because that kind of stuff. Uh, we talked about this offline yesterday when it initially broke, where my brother actually made a great point. He's like, look, I can excuse like sucking at an academically difficult institution mm-hmm. like Stanford or Vandy, for instance. But if you're going to suck and this shit's going to go on, that's too yeah, much for me. You have no chance. I, yeah. I, I, you, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. So. <sighs> Northwestern already named an interim head coach, which is what, who their defensive coordinator. It's I- their new defensive coordinator who they hired in January from North Dakota State. So okay. at first glance, you're like, oh, great. You know, an assistant from the staff who was part of this problem. Well, not really, because the hazing stuff kind of predates his hire. So he's effectively a new coach. My guess is he'll be the interim for the year. And then as they search for a more permanent guy. Yeah. No doubt. I would agree with that. Uh, and it's, you know, and we, we do, we're not going to speculate on candidates and things of that nature, because I mean, we're talking, we're a couple of, we're a month from the season here. So candidate wise, we'll deal with that when it comes, but I do think that they'll be able to pay somebody some pretty big time money. It's a hundred million dollars a year that they're bringing in from the big 10. They're dumping all this money into the program from the facilities, the $800 million stadium that they're trying to get approved. It's so I I don't see them going after some kind of small name, I guess is what I'm saying. Northwestern's endowment is like $16 billion. Yeah. They have, they have the big 10 TV revenue. They, yeah. A lot of it might hinge on what happens with his, what I assume will be a lawsuit uh, and how much they actually have to pay him to go away might affect. I mean, 40 million bucks. If they have to pay him every dime of his contract, that's like a drop in the bucket for these people. It is, but they don't treat it like that. Like, you know, well, they're. uh, Maybe that's why they have $16 billion and I don't. That could be. Yeah. It's kind of like Shohei Otani. (laughs) Like every major league team could afford to pay Shohei Otani $80 million a year. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But there's only like two of them that actually will. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So sort of like that. And like Northwestern could just write him a check, be done with it and move on. But they're unlikely to. Yeah, that's going to be pretty wild to see. But yeah, that's uh, he was the what third longest tenured coach in college football behind Ference and uh, Whittingham. Is that correct? He might be behind Gundy. I don't know. Oh, um, yeah. Gundy as well. So yeah, third or fourth guy. He's definitely top five. Yeah, top five most tenured coach. He's been there since 2006, so fucking hazing scandal. Unbelievable. But uh, let's close the book on Northwestern, and let's get into the Big 12, man. So I'm going to come to you first here, since I'm going to go a little bit out of order, since I'm already running my trap. And we're going to go over these win totals. Now, understand, a disclaimer again for the listeners, these totals come from FanDuel. Uh-huh. And so there are some different numbers out there, and we're also not going to read you the plus 130 or minus 130 to the over or under because it's different for every book. Depends on what you use. You just have to make the best judgment based on what legal or illegal <laughs> uh, gambling site you use. So for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to go off these win totals from FanDuel. And Eric, I'm going to start you out in an interesting spot here. And that is with the defending national championship runner up in TCU. Mm. 
Seven and a half wins. That's got to be, oh man, that's got to be some kind of record for the lowest win total, at least in the in the BCS or playoff era for as a, far as a drop off from a team's actual number. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because they finished what thirteen and two, right? So to get seven and a half, that's that's a fall, and they are gonna they're not gonna come close to thirteen wins again. That, that, I think they'll be decent. No. They'll be a good team. They're replacing just about the entire offense. Um, eight starters, not to mention their coordinator. So they bring back most of the defense that was average-ish. They gave up 26-ish uh, or so points per game, I believe, at least in conference play. So they bring back Chandler Morris, a quarterback, who actually was the starter uh, going into last season. Then he got hurt. Max Duggan came in. So I think they feel okay about the quarterback position. They had a guy who they already were planning to start. They got Trey Sanders at running back, who's an Alabama transfer, and another Bama transfer at receiver, JoJo Earl. I think those guys are going to have a chance to contribute. Uh, Up front, the three interior spots, which includes Steve Avila, who was maybe the best guard in the country. So offensively... He's an NFL guy. Yeah. I think he was a second-round pick, I believe. Yeah. Um, But so they're replacing all three guys in the interior, even though they're bringing back both tackles. So up front, not great, but it's not a total, like not in extremis either, but mm-hmm. bringing back six guys on the defense, which was, which was okay. They do have, I think a really good secondary, which in the big 12, if you have to choose, I think that's where you'd want your strength, but uh, yeah, depending on what week it is for sure. So schedule wise, I think, I mean, they're going to be, they should win at least six of their first seven. Uh, they get they get K State in week eight, and they should come into that game. I would think no worse than six and one. So can they get can they get two from there on? That's where it gets dicey because they're five. Their five toughest a, opponents. I would argue that their five toughest teams they'll play all year are their last five games. Uh, three of them. Three of them are on the road. It's the tale of two schedules, man. This is the old. It Miss really is. Auction. Like last year, Ole Miss started seven and zero, and yep. then lost five of their <laughs> last six. You know, so it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of with you that based on. I, I agree with what you said about the roster. Yeah, I think the roster is fine. I think it's a quality roster. It's just not a 13-win roster. So I will will reluctantly take over seven and a half, but I mean, they're going to do well to win nine, and I I think they can get to eight, but the back end of their schedule is just too rough. Unless someone else catches the injury bug, they have, you know, they could be six and six. They they have a legit shot to start seven and zero and mm-hmm. lose five straight. Like yeah. they have a legit shot to do both of those things. So I I'm I'm in the exact same boat as you. I'm reluctantly on the over here at eight and four because I think they can steal one of those last five games or two of them. You know, yeah. if they drop one on the front end. But yeah, I think it's I, come, it comes down probably to the Baylor game and the Texas mm-hmm. Tech game. Get one of those after a seven and zero start, but. It's going to be close, and I'm only picking over just for the sake of this podcast. I I would not put money on them. Like, yeah, either I'm, way, I would not either. I wouldn't yeah. touch it, but I I will make a pick and I will take the over. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I would take the over. Just uh, I'm going to bet on Sonny Dykes there to you know keep a little bit of momentum going. More money in the program, more guys trying to go there. You know, the, the roster really wasn't 13 win good last year. You know what nope. I mean? No, they, so, I mean, they, they kind of surprised and they won a bunch of close games, but they did prove to me that they know how to close out a game and win close games. 
in the Big 12. So with a front-end schedule like that, it wouldn't shock me if they won eight or nine games. But there again, with that kind of gauntlet on the back end with all they lost, it also wouldn't shock me if they lost five straight and finished seven and five. So mm. again, take a pick, but I wouldn't bet it uh, with my actual dollars either. But let's talk about somebody that I would bet actual money on. And I have in the past and he has burned me. I would say, what what would you ballpark that? 70% burned me at least 75. Who I don't know who we're talking about. Oh, there, we're there's talking a number of guys that. who have screwed you over in, over the years. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I was talking about the Gus bus. Oh, the Gus bus. The Gus bus might need a tune-up. Yeah, six. They're going to need a NOS shot going from the American into the Big 12, I think. Yeah, so six and a half wins, over or under. What are we doing on UCF, man? I, I am taking the under, but I do... I think they have a decent shot to get to a bowl game. I just don't see a seventh win. Um, I like the quarterback. He's fun to watch. He he He's productive for them. He threw for 2,500 yards and 14 touchdowns last year, and he was also their leading rusher uh, with another 11 scores on the ground. So they're replacing three guys up front. Don't love that, but they're using some uh, pretty experienced transfers, so it's not like true freshmen or something. I think they'll yeah. be okay up front. They do bring back four of their top five receivers, um, which included their leading receiver, Javon Baker, who I think is a really good player. And, you know, defensively last year, they were, they were pretty good. They were okay, but, and they get seven guys back from that defensive unit, but they're going to be playing against much better offenses this season. So I would expect to slide back from 23 points a game allowed. So I can find five wins for them really easily on their, on their schedule. And I do like them to get to six. I just can't talk myself into seven and five. So they miss Texas, which helps. They miss TCU. So conference schedule wise, they're in okay shape. They caught a break there, but they still have five road games just in conference play. And they, they play, I believe, at Boise. I don't think that's a home game. Correct. That's not always an easy place to play, you know, between the time zone and the elevation and the fact that Boise is probably going to be a pretty good team. So I think they're a six and six squad. That it's funny that I'm glad you brought up the Boise game. That that game it's like the determining factor for me whether I get them to six or to seven wins. Yeah, like if that, they that's probably manage, is the breaker. If they manage to beat Boise State in week two, they have a real shot to you know win seven games. I feel like with their because like you said, you can find five wins pretty easily mm-hmm. if they get to that one. That gives them six, and you like to think that if John Reese Pumbley stays healthy, that perhaps they could steal a game from somebody because it's the Gus bus. Yeah. He, just, he, he, him and Gundy, uh, you know, the, those are, they'll, yeah. they'll steal one. They'll yeah, win roll the, the fucking dice, have, man. They have no business winning and, no. You know, and they'll come out with a 36, 34 win. And you're just like, how in the hell that they got outplayed for three and a half quarters, but they get the W anyways. So yeah, yeah it probably mean, comes down many... to the Boise game, but I just, I think it's more likely that they finish six and six. With yeah. Loss like there. how many, Gus Malzahn games that I've been involved in, have I just been completely dejected and out on them by halftime? And then I yes. turn it off. And then in the fourth quarter, they're up 21 points. As one of the very first like <laughs> weeks of the first season we did this podcast, because I remember <laughs> yeah, in the group chat, you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I bet on Malzahn. Gee, what was I thinking? <laughs> and Hunter's like, what are you talking? It's the second quarter. Like, <laughs> And, I know, think it might have been Boise State. I honestly do. I'm not it sure. Might have been if it Boise. Was. I think maybe Louisville. It was somebody <laughs> they can't played. Remember. They were down multiple scores. They just looked like garbage through the first quarter and a half. Oh yeah. And 
and you were just, I'm on a loser. This is, this was a way I just, I'd be better off just <laughs> taking this money out to my driveway and setting it on fire. And you know, Hunter's I totally, like, just I totally turned back. it off and didn't see another snap of it. Woke up the next day and was like, holy shit. They won. Yeah. And yeah, they won by like 18 probably. <laughs> yeah. It was an easy cover. Uh, so all that being said, I'm going to take a gamble here and I'm going to throw a small amount of dollars on Gus Malzahn to hit the over and go seven and five in his first year in the big 12 with UCF. This team, while they were in a lesser conference. Yes. I acknowledge every bit of that. This team is familiar with winning. Okay. And they're fucking serious about winning. They've won at least nine games, six out of the last seven years. And two of those years were nine. The rest were like 11, 10, 12. So 13, one year. So yeah, their national championship year. Oh, stop their faux national championship. So I agree with the roster stuff you said. I don't love that they're replacing a lot up front. That's kind of scary walking into a new conference, but I don't think the Big 12 really has any ferocious defenses, especially not on their schedule. Like I just, they miss Kansas State. They're, they have a good defense. Yeah, the, I think the best, I would say, front front end and, you know, whether it's, they play, whether it's six, seven, or eight guys, depending on who plays, probably K State. I said uh, K State. I meant I meant Texas. I, yeah, t- they do play K State. I mean Kansas Texas. State, Texas, and maybe TCU. Yeah, they don't. Uh, yeah, they miss Texas, which is mm-hmm. what I was meaning to say. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, man. I just I think they're going to get the over. Call me crazy. So before we go any further, since we mentioned Texas, let's talk about Texas. Longhorn Nation, we're back. Nine and a half, clear favorite in the Big 12. Quinn Ewers is back. This dude could win a Heisman, Eric. Am I crazy? You must think I'm dumb. Uh, he could. The talents there is, I think it's for him, it's just a matter of staying on the field mm-hmm. and staying upright. Uh, I mean, they're the they're the clear favorite for a reason. This because they're the most talented team in this conference by a not insignificant margin. Like, it's pretty, they're clearly the most talented team. Um, so they bring back five of their top six receivers from last year, which obviously works in Quinn Ewers' favor. You, you see a lot of guys look like they regressed as a quarterback, and they didn't really regress. They just didn't have anyone to throw to because they brought back like you know twenty five percent of their receiving yard production. But yeah, uh, Xavier Worthy, I've I've been on his bandwagon for a couple of years now. I think he's a yeah, fantastic player. Yeah, Jordan Whittington. Yeah, Jordan Whittington's a really good receiver. Got both of those guys back plus. Uh, three other guys who who were productive last year. What I love most, and I don't maybe you you realize this, maybe you don't, but I think you'll love it too. They had all five starters on their offensive line start all thirteen games last year, and they bring all five of those dudes back. Yeah, on a team that, uh, by the way, only gave up nineteen sacks. Yeah, so they're bringing back a good offensive line, all of it. So. I still, you know, I don't know lose. how that, I mean, I know that Ewers went down, but it still mm-hmm. blows my mind, like how this team lost five games last year. It's pretty mind blowing. Like if you, if you go back and look at it, you're just like, damn, like that, that came off the rails really quick. Like if Ewers does not go down on the Bama game, I don't know that they lose the game all year. Yeah. Cause well, I, I mean, they lost a close one, a really low scoring kind of slugfest to TCU. And I don't remember who else they lost to right offhand, but they, Texas Tech, I, I, yeah, Alabama. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what they get at running back. Obviously, losing Bijan Robinson hurts, but if you had to pick a, a school that you never really worry that they're going to find a running back, Texas is on the list. Like, 
they just Facts. have an assembly line of dudes. So uh, they got a true freshman that people are thinking may get some may get some snaps. Uh, C.J. Baxter. So have keep you seen, an eye out for him? Have you seen his like uh, highlight tapes or YouTube videos? I have not. This dude I can, is a. I can about he imagine. Looks, he looks like a fucking Terminator. He's like six one, two ten. Like looks like. See, I know. Adrian, I know. Looks like yeah, Adrian I, Peterson or some shit. I know of him from my time on the fringes of FSU Twitter because they were after <laughs> him hard. He's. A, oh, yeah. I think he's a Florida kid. He looks like he was built in a lab. And uh, correct. He. I think he, he obviously he has a chance to be very very good. So. What I think a lot of people maybe didn't realize about Texas last year was how improved they were defensively. Even I didn't realize it. So they you pointed out to me the other day, and I had to go look at it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" They actually. Yeah, were good. I felt, and I remember uh, talking to Barris Lee about this. Like, I don't think they got enough credit for how much better they were defensively because I think that had a lot more to do with them improving by you know by three wins. Oh yeah. Than, than Bijan Robinson did or Quinn Ewers did. They they were. You know, 21 points a game. They were a good defense, uh, especially in this conference. So yeah, if Ewers can stay healthy because he's he's looked fantastic at times. So he has a chance. He's a very, very high ceiling. So they're going to be favored in at least 10 games, maybe 11. So I'm going to kind of go against my gut and what I've always done for years and years because they just leave me hanging. But I'm going to bet over on Texas, over nine and a half. I think this is a 10 or 11 win team. This conversation's going nowhere. I, I'm, I'm almost starting to feel like this is like the Texas A&M thing where it's like too good to be true. Yeah. You know? where I mean, I, and all... I've always, I've always <laughs> felt like that about Texas and Texas A&M, but boy, I just can't. It makes sense to pick the over. It does. It makes total sense. Well, there was always roster. some like, yeah, you know, they just need this to break right. Or mm-hmm. as long as this, there's always like some caveat. And I just don't see a caveat. Like, no, it's, they're bringing back a really what, good team. Yeah. It's if they do what they're supposed to do, they should go 11 and one or 12 and 0. And so that I'm with you. I'm on the over <laughs> and I would bet money on it because I think Sarkeesian's a really good coach. But the only reason I would bet money on it, and I'll just spoil this for you now, like Quinn Ewers is like my Heisman guy. Like if mm. I had to pick a dude that was going to win the Heisman Trophy this year, it's him because Bijan Robinson is gone. All of their top receivers are back. They are going to let that dude fucking sling it and just do work. Like, hey, here, clock in, go to work, big boy. Yep. Sling it around, run the offense the way you want, do it. We got a true freshman at running back. He can take the pressure off of you sometimes, but you're, we're going to put it on your shoulders. Like, this dude could put up Bryce Young level numbers. I, I think he's, yeah, no, it incredible. could get, yeah, it could get stupid. Um, yeah, you know, his, no doubt. So, I, I'm on the over as well with you, but a couple of numbers that I, just happen to circle here. The one department that they need to get better in defensively is the turnovers. They were plus two in turnover margin last year. So not great mm. creating a lot of turnovers. No. If they can manage to be a little bit more opportunistic on defense, you know, maybe get a few more sacks. They had 27 last year. So if they can manage to improve their pass rush a little bit, create a few more turnovers, then I think that is what could put them up into the next level of team yeah i think generating you know the occasional turnover here or there or even just negative plays right like a tackle yeah. for loss right and and put teams because they're the type of team you if they get up on you early boy you're in trouble because they're going to be tough to stop and and catching up to them if you get down 10 points or 14 points yeah, it's going to be a chore no doubt all right so we're going to stick in the state of texas here we're both on the over on texas 
talk to me about Dana Holkerson in Houston <sighs> before we uh, move over to my side and you take over running your trap. Dana Holgerson, big letdown last year for both yes. of us. We we both picked him to be that potential uh, playoff buster from the group of five, mm-hmm. and pretty massive letdown. They lost some games they shouldn't have, finished with an eight and five record. Now, I will say this for Dana Holgerson: he does have some experience moving from another conference to the Big Twelve. However, we sucked. That experience did not go well for him. In his first two years, he went five and seven and four and eight. We sucked. Yeah, I don't think he goes five and seven this year. I yeah, guess, no. So four and a four and a half. Bury the lead here. <laughs> four, four and a half is their total. Are they going to hit the over or no. go under? No, I don't think so. I oh they. We talked about how much Texas improved on defense, which was almost nine. Uh, nine, almost 10 points a game from 2021 to 2022. Houston is the opposite. They went from 20.4 points per game allowed to 32.2 last year. Mm. So 11 and change. Um, and now they're going to be playing probably better offenses than they were a year ago. So oh. I think he's going to have a long year. Uh, <sighs> they're replacing the quarterback through for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. So, you know, and their top two receivers. So who knows what they're going to look like offensively. They're replacing a bunch of guys on both lines of scrimmage and the secondary, you know, bringing in a lot of transfers. That's great. But I think the overall, I still feel like their roster just doesn't really measure up in this conference. And I think, I feel like they're more likely to finish last in the big 12 than they are to go to a bowl game. Like I just, I think, like five is their absolute five wins is their absolute ceiling, and that probably is going to require them to beat UCF in the last game of the season. So mm. I just I, I don't like it. I think he he's got a lot of work to do. So four wins for the Cougs. Oh well, that puts us at seventy five percent agreement on the front end of the show. I'm also on the under here. <laughs> this schedule is an absolute nightmare. And yeah, they got the I, short straw out of the, all the new guys and the schedule. They did. It's not good. I mean, even their even their like FCS teams that they play are good. Okay. Like it just oh man, it's not good. I'm I'm not gonna detail it, but all you need to know is that at one point in the season they go back to back to back with Kansas and then road games at Kansas State and at Baylor before they play Cincinnati and then Oklahoma State. So that is a yeah. fucking brutal five week stretch for them yeah and yeah, i they don't think they'll win case it's bad i mean even out of even non-conference like utsa is going to be a really good team yeah utsa like, won double digit games last year and yeah, they and the year are before. then they are that team this year from the group of five that's like potential could yeah. go 12 and 0 type shit so yeah they're they're probably i think one of my three if i had to pick them but UTSA yeah like, I, don't, I don't know that houston would be favored over utsa i don't think they would like i know no, it's I at home for them but if they are I, favored it'll be a very small favorite no i think they'll be a home underdog um, yeah sam agree. houston it's their first year in i think mm-hmm. in fbs or maybe they were last year but they won the fcs national championship two years ago yeah they're when, not a when FCS a, played in the spring, so they're not. Yeah, they're not a not an easy win if you're. Yeah, it's not uh, like you're Houston playing the Sisters Weber. of Perpetual Sorrow or something like that's no. a, that's a good that's a team that can go beat you. So yeah, I they're agree. they're in rough shape. Yeah, I'm out on uh, on Houston doing anything this first year, and I, I think uh, 
I think Holgerson's probably gone because you don't want to. I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit before. I mentioned it in my hot seat rankings yep. when I, I put him at honorable mention. Yep. Because, you know, it. I think he'll make it through the year, but do you really, if, if it goes really bad this year, how long do you want to continue to write it? It's like we've seen this book been, it's been written before mm-hmm. and we don't want to rewrite it again. So. I think if he has a bad year, it could um, he could be without a job at the end of the year. But we'll see what happens. Could be. So staying within the state of Texas, we'll go to another Texas team that does not have Texas in the name. And my guy, Dave Aranda at Baylor, who won the conference two years ago, they come in to the season with a seven and a half win total. And they kind of feel to me like they – could sort of be sneaky this year, kind of like they were in 2021 where they had like a five and a half or six and a half win total and they end up going out winning 10 games. But what what do you think of them? Well, Baylor is one of those teams there. Two of these teams, I'll go ahead and like spoil one thing for you. Two of these teams that have both have seven and a half totals uh, being Baylor and Texas tech. They're both kind of wild cards for me. Like there's a lot of possibilities. Like when I, I, I sit down and I type in all their numbers and, you know, how I rate teams. Both of them have a lot of different possibilities for me. So I, bottom line for me, Blake Shapen, I think, is a good quarterback. He needs to take care of the football a little better. You know, double-digit picks last year, that's not great. So that's the first thing that stands out to me about him is you got to take care of the football a little better. They do have a freshman All-American at running back, which is, you know, fantastic. Uh, Richard Reese, he's you know really good player. So that's all fine and good, but I'll say it again. On this show, we are of the opinion that if your offensive line sucks, nothing else matters. And four, count them, four starters from last year's offensive line are gone. And so that, to me, combined with a quarterback who is a little bit interception prone, sort of spells trouble for me. So I, the offensive line is a big question mark. I don't, I, I would expect them to take a step back from a team that, you know, allowed 22 sacks last year. I don't think that number is going to be that good this year. Mm-hmm. So I could, uh, I could see a little step back there, but there's not a ton of defenses in the big 12 that are very good. So it's not like their numbers are going to be shitty or anything like that. I think they'll still be fine. It's just a matter of, you know, can they take care of the football? We'll see. Uh, defensively, I I think it'll be more of the same. I'm not going to go deep into this roster on defense. I think they're a little deeper, especially on the back end, but I don't know how much more talented they're going to be. They lost their top two corners, so that is a, kind of a big hole to fill. So like I said, they're, they're deeper, I think, with more depth, especially with transfers they've added, but I just don't know that they're going to be more talented. So experience-wise, it's an improvement, but talent-wise, it may be somewhat of a drop-off. So we'll see. When I look at this schedule, it, there's a, just a few huge question marks like Utah. Is Cam Rising going to play? I don't know. If he is, I don't like Baylor's chances. I like Utah to go in there and get a win, but we'll see. That's a toss-up game. Texas, I have that as a loss, even though they beat them last year, but I don't know that they can repeat that feat. Uh, we'll see. It is at home, but UCF, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, Iowa State, I like them to win probably three out of four of those. And then you close out the year with Houston, Kansas State, TCU, or at Kansas State and at TCU and then West Virginia. So 
ultimately for me at seven and a half, I'm going to lean to the under due to the lack of experience on the offensive line and the turnover prone issues at quarterback, but I don't have a ton of conviction here. So I'm going to lean also, but I'm going to lean the other way. I'm going to lean eight and four because I, I think I get what you're saying about the defense. They took a big step back defensively last year. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they worked the portal. They brought in guys. I think they will be a little bit better at all three levels because of that depth you talked about. So Mm -hmm. I don't think they will be good as good as, you know, like two years ago when they were a top 10 defense, but I think they will be better than average. Um, And I do like that. They bring back all those receivers. They bring back three of their, their, four leading receivers from last year. And then they added a kid from Arkansas, uh, Jackson, who averaged like 17 or 18 yards per reception. So they added a downfield threat. But my lack of conviction stems from that offensive line. It has a chance to be a clear weakness. So, you know, if they were only replacing two starters on the offensive line, then I'd, I'd this would be a much easier over for me. Yeah, I'd probably be right there with you, but losing four starters on the O-line, I have serious questions about how good they're yeah. going to be. So I don't, given I don't feel that this is another one I probably wouldn't touch with actual money, but I, I believe in Dave Aranda. I think he can get one that, that we might not think he can get in July. So I will. Well, I'll put it to you this I way. I will lean over seven and a half. I'll put it. I'll make it simple. If they, if Cam Rising does not play for Utah in week two, then I mark this as a win for Baylor. Mm. If he does play, it's a loss, period. End of story. So that game right there would get me to the over for them. But I assume that Cam Rising is going to play. So that being said, I marked it as an L for them because I think Utah is a much better football team than they are. So, But if if he doesn't play, then that changes everything, and that could get me to the over. So it's one of those that I would not bet money on this because there's too many question marks on their schedule – for me to confidently lay money on it. Yeah. One of the big question marks on their schedule is October 7th. And and what you think about that game of when Baylor goes to Texas Tech probably will dictate what you think about each of these teams um, and seven and a half wins. So Texas Tech, they surprised me last year. Uh, Joey McGuire was surprised all of us. Yeah, yeah. Joey McGuire, I thought a hell of a job and really exceeded everyone's expectations. So they come into the year with maybe a little more expectations than they were getting last season. And, you know, they're probably going to score a shitload of points. Are they going to be able to stop anybody? And how many games do you think they can win with their style of play? Well, I'll keep this one relatively short and sweet. They're bringing back 17 starters from an eight and five team a year ago. So positive check mark number one for me. Okay. I look at that and then I simply look at their schedule. So if they've got 17 starters back, yes, they do have some question marks on defense. I get it, but I'm just not really all that concerned. Bottom line, they're going to have to outscore people to win. That's just the bottom line point blank period. Are they going to be able to stop anybody? Maybe, but would I bet on it? No. I would never bet on Texas Tech to be able to stop anybody. And if you made a bet like that over the last several years, then you probably lost because they have averaged giving up 30 or more points a game every year up until last year when they hit 29 points a game. So, yeah, they're high watermarks since at least like 2015, probably. Yeah. So, uh, you know, lovely improvement there. 
to get to 29 points a game. So no, they're not going to stop anybody. But are they going to score an ass ton of points, a metric fuck ton? Yeah, they will. And so I take all that into account and I look at their schedule. The week two, tr- the week two game at home versus Oregon. Over. That's, uh, yeah, that over. Give me over 73 and a half. I'll take it all day long and I will laugh all the way to the bank. Final score probably like 10 to 9. So that one is a little tricky, but outside of that one, they should start, in my opinion, I mean, they should win their other four of their first five games. And then you've got a trip to Baylor and a back home for Kansas State. So that is two, their two really first tough conference tests that they face, in my opinion. So if they manage to steal a game from Oregon, because I'm going to tell you, that will be a laser show of a game. <laughs> that ain't going to be. I don't see Oregon going in there and just laying the fucking smack down on them. I mean, do you? Am I crazy? I kind of do. I think so. Kind <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> I, I can't. I just, I'm not a, I'm not going to buy. Like, I know we talk I can't about buy into Oregon's a team that just team. refuses to field a defense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know we both you, you know we've both been very vocal about USC and all of that but I just I don't know man I feel like they are a team who consistently gets no respect and last year we didn't respect them and they came out and surprised and this year they're still getting no respect because everybody's saying the same thing we are ah they can't play defense you know well that doesn't really matter if you score 60 <laughs> you know so I don't know. I penciled it in as a loss against Oregon, to be clear, but I'm going to take the over and say they get to eight wins and possibly steal another one, but I'm just going to play it safe and say they get to eight wins because you can find a bunch of wins on the schedule. Wyoming, Tarleton State, West Virginia, Houston, BYU, at Kansas, you can – I'm not saying that's going to be an easy win, but again, over – uh, and then UCF. I mean, that's seven right there out of the gate before I even talk about Baylor or Texas so or Oregon. So if they can steal one of those games, which they possibly could, who knows? I mean, they beat Texas last year. I'm going to say over. Mm. Go ahead and take the under. Go ahead. I am. I'm taking the under because, Ooh. yes, they were seven and five last year in the regular season. Four of those wins were by four points or fewer. Oh, yeah. And so there's maybe a little bit of a, I don't want to say mirage, but there there was some good fortune there. They didn't lose any close games. They just they won their close games. So well, teams like that normally kind of fall back maybe a little bit, even though they averaged 34 a game last year. I would expect that number to creep closer to 40 with as many guys as they have coming back second year <laughs> with the coordinator. But the defense is just so bad. So bad. bad. And it sucks. I just <laughs> it's not good. But I mean, we're over here talking about USC is gonna win eleven games and their offense is a laser show and their defense is trash. I mean, I'm not comparing Texas Tech to USC, to be clear. I'm just saying philosophy wise, it's no different. They just don't have Caleb Williams at quarterback. Well, right, but I think Texas Tech plays fewer god awful teams than you know, because uh, yes, I think the Big 12 doesn't have as many like truly terrible teams as the Pac-12 does. I think oh, yeah. the, the Big 12 has a much healthier sort of middle class, mm-hmm. um, a little more yeah, balanced. It's not five good teams and seven tomato cans. Right. So 
that's part of it. Um, but I, I just I can't do it, man. Under. <laughs> I love it. I love. They're it. gonna be. They're gonna be a lot of fun to watch. I, I will watch them a lot. I and just. Is, if I just don't think they time, can win eight shootouts. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And if this is your first time listening to the show, I don't know why it would be if you're on part two of the Big Twelve. But if it does happen to be that, need I remind you all that I went nine and one in the mm. Big Twelve last year and these over and under picks. So Eric seems to have forgotten that and is going against me quite a bit here. Oh, would would they be someone that you would think would know anything? Well, I mean, you you took the you took the over on Melzon, so that my under is an automatic hit. Well, yeah, that I mean, that's it's <laughs> obvious that I, I felt I felt bad. I was just going to give you one there. I mean, it's uh, obviously going to be the opposite of whatever I pick. I don't love Malzahn, so I'll just take the over, and when he goes under, I'm not butthurt about it because I don't like mm. Malzahn. All right, last one, and we're going to round out the Big 12 with, with with what I think is the most confusing team. I still am not sure what I think about these guys. Uh, we had Josh McQuistian from Sooner Scoop on to talk about these guys, and I'm not any closer to understanding what is happening in Norman, Oklahoma, <laughs> than I was before that. So the Sooners are catching nine and a half after they fielded one of the worst defenses in the <laughs> FBS last year with Brent Venables replacing Lincoln Riley and their defense was significantly worse. Like, yeah, just how when did you, that? I don't, I don't know. I was looking at that today. I was like, just when you think your defense can't get any worse, yes. you hire a defensive coach and it gets way worse. Yeah. I mean, that, I man, it is that that defense was difference. so bad, and it's oh, just yeah. like how. Like I'm going to throw some numbers at you. They went from giving up uh, 129 a game rushing to 187 per game. They went from giving up 25 a game to 30 a game. They went from defensive yards per carry. Okay, 3.8 under Lincoln Riley in his last season. Last year, 4.5 yards a carry for opposing offenses. So. Basically, a whole nother yard per carry. The tackling was absolutely disgusting, but that was last year, Eric. Let's talk about this year. So, okay, well, let's talk about this year. Uh, uh, they're nine and a half. They were six and are, are we really expecting a four win jump? Can they improve the defense that much? Yeah, I think we should expect a four win jump because wow. last year I think was a bit of an outlier. I think when you a little bit non X's and O's speak here. I think sometimes the first year a coach takes over a program and he, you know, especially if you take a guy like Lincoln Riley, who clearly doesn't give a shit about playing defense. I mean, do, do we agree there? Like Lincoln Riley does not give two fucks about playing defense. Correct. Okay. So you take that and you take all those dudes and whoever's left there and you give them Brent Venables. They don't want to play for that guy. He's like, man, we got to fucking practice hard and we got to tackle and shit. This is fucking weak. We don't, why do we have to do this? And so I think it's a bit of a culture change. And that led to some dudes just quitting on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's ultimately what we saw. They just quit. They didn't play hard. And that was why the defense was just absolutely. Oh, they defended like a team who would quit. I'll give you that. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what happened, man. Some of these dudes were not bought in. They just quit. And so I look for a, not just a, you know, I, I'm not talking like they're going to improve and be as good as Texas's defense or some crazy shit like that. No, but I do expect them to get better. I mm -hmm. mean, Venables knows what the fuck he's talking about on defense. So 
to to think that they're not going to improve at least <laughs> in form tackling or something similar to that to me is a bad bet. Like I, if you're not going to bet that he improves their defense in year two, I, I would bet against that. No, but, and and I'm willing to bet that he improves the defense in year two. I just four games is a lot. It is. So let's talk about it. We know Dylan Gabriel's coming back at quarterback. Okay, we know that. That's established. As long as he's healthy, he's the dude. I think both of us really like him a lot when he's healthy. And so running backs, it's kind of a mash a mash unit. McQuistion uh, talked about Gavin Sawchuk mm-hmm. as a possible dude who could like break into the open, you know, and uh, become that who the fuck is that guy award winner for Oklahoma. But I, I mean, I think they've got a just sort of stable of guys that'll be okay. Yeah. They got, I think they'll have a quality rushing attack with the three guys who are going to get the most carries of the, the Barnes kid. I like a lot. Correct. When I look at that and I I'll touch on the offensive line for a second, they're bringing back more experience. They've got a lot of, you know, dudes who have started a shit ton of games so they're going to be more experienced than they were last year. And I think ultimately they'll be fine up front again. Again, with the Big 12, they don't face a ton of ferocious pass rushes. So I think they'll be fine running the ball, be a typical Oklahoma year running the ball. So I'm not going to get deep into that. But receiver, something that they're going to have to figure out because Marvin Mims is gone. You know, they've lost guys like Kennedy Brooks and people like that over the years, and they have don't really have that defined dude. But you would think that Jaleel Farouk needs to step up and be that guy. At least that's what I'm looking at. And he's sort of a, a hybrid, like can hurt you on the ground rushing, can he can do a lot of different things. So somebody has to step up. I would if I had to just pick a guy, it'd be him to kind of be the dude in the offense out wide. So we'll see. They do have a bunch of like, you know, four-star big-time receivers, freshmen, guys that are improving. So we'll see who steps up or shows up. Again, like you said, who knows what this team's going to do. But they also brought in 18 transfers. So <laughs> kind of more of the same. You know, I, I don't like getting deep into transfer portal shit here. But ultimately, if you look at the schedule, it is fucking soft, bro. It is a soft ass schedule. It, it Arkansas is. State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Iowa State. Win, 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 win. Five and zero. Oh. They should not lose any of those games. Then you got the Texas game. They're going to be an underdog. I penciled them in for a loss. Okay, fair. Then you got UCF, who they are more talented than. And Dylan Gabriel, I feel like he'll. Uh, yeah, want to play hard. Dylan in that Gabriel game. revenge game. Yeah, I feel like uh, he'll want to play kind of hard in that game in front of the home crowd in Norman, and uh, you know, give him a good show. So win at Kansas should be a win based on Kansas's trash defense. It's going to be a scoring fest. Who can whoever has the ball last might win, but I penciled in for a win at Oklahoma State. Who fucking knows? It's Mike Gundy. Okay, they, we talked about them. They could be sneaky. We don't mm-hmm. know. So that one is like a. You know, a W slash L. Don't know. But then West Virginia at BYU, TCU to close out the year. All three winnable games. Ultimately, I'm going to bet on Venables and say that they go 10 and 2 here. I think the schedule is just too easy, man. It's too fucking easy. And I think those guys quit last year 
And I think they're going to surprise a shit ton of people this year. Like Oklahoma to me, like when I look at them, I think about TCU last year where you guys remember I said, like these dudes quit on Gary Patterson. They quit on him. And we made a ass ton of money on TCU in the front half of the season, especially when they played in the noon slot. You remember. And so I look at Oklahoma and I'm like, man, I hope I hope their first five, six games, they're favored by small numbers because I feel like they're going to come in and blow some people out and we're going to clean the fuck up on some spreads. Am I crazy? I don't think they're going to have that real short numbers for the first month of the season. I mean, if, if you're giving a team nine and a half wins, you're 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 giving them a pretty healthy margin over teams like SMU and, and whoever else. So I just can't get I just can't get to 10. Like they're going to win eight games. I'm almost positive. And I think they'll probably win nine. I cannot talk myself into 10 wins. So, yeah, no, I don't think they're going to beat the likes of Texas. I, you know, I, I don't, but they do miss Kansas State. They don't have to play them. That's yep. a huge deal here. It is for them. Yeah. Specifically, not, like, not playing I mean, Kansas Ma- State. I think McQuistian pointed it out good. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and check it out. But it, I think he pointed out good, man. If like, if this was like a normal Oklahoma season where mm-hmm. they won, say, 10 games last year, that's a playoff schedule. Sure. Like you look at it and you're like, fuck, man, they should go 11 and one. <laughs> so I, would it absolutely just blow your mind? defensive struggles aside, okay, but even under Lincoln Riley, their defense was not good. I mean, it wasn't good. It was no. I mean, it it just wasn't good. It wasn't the worst in the country, but it wasn't a good defense, and they won 10, 11 games a year. If they can just get back to those defensive numbers that they were putting up under Lincoln Riley with that schedule, they should win 10 or 11 games. I mean, is my logic undeniable or flawed? I think you'd also have to compare the offenses as well, but they'll be an improved team and they'll be a better defense. And I expect them probably to go nine and three. I just tends a bit Can't much go for there. me. Can't go there. Mm. Can't quite. All right. Well, that's Can't fine. Can't talk myself that's... into it. Oh my God. All right. Well, recap us here because I think we disagreed on about 70% of these. Or uh, something. Well, we disagreed on Oklahoma, obviously most recently. Mm-hmm. And we disagreed on Texas tech. I was under seven and a half. You were over seven mm-hmm. and a half. We disagreed on Baylor. You took under and I took over. They were also at seven and a half. And that, again, that Texas Tech Baylor game will probably decide who gets bragging rights on both of those teams. Uh, you bet on the Gus Bus over six and a half, and I took the under. We agreed. God, I'm going to regret that so bad. I'm going to regret that one. We, we agreed that Houston will finish with fewer than five wins. We both took the over on Texas nine and a half, TCU seven and a half. Uh, so yeah, it's about a 50, 50 split, I guess, as far as agree, disagree. So mm. three, yeah. two unanimous overs, one unanimous under, and then four, uh, disagreements. Awesome. Well, <sighs> so we'll see that, December will be interesting. That will be. And I I'm due for a down year here after going nine and one, yeah. I shot my, I shot my load early last year and, it, uh, the rest, I went, I had a good start in the Pac 12 and the Big 12, which were the first two we covered. And then it was all downhill from there in the ACC and the SEC and the Big 10 for me. So, yeah, I was going to well, say next week we're, we're doing the ACC and we're going to, int- we're all going to, well, not all, but we're both going to try to improve on our numbers. Yeah. I, the ACC, I, they were not respectable last year. I went seven and eight. 
uh, and just, I guess, for the listeners, when we do the ACC, we also include Notre Dame in that. So 15 teams total. I went 7 and 8. You went 5 and 10. Oh. A game a game ahead of Timmy at 4 and 11, which really surprised me because he's an ACC guy. He, I thought he would be more familiar with those teams than us, but... I think he is more familiar. I think it was just bad fucking luck, yeah. man. I, I don't know what to make of it. It was it was crazy. I mean, so, you have to. I mean, we all did terrible. So uh, yeah, it's kind of. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I, air quotes. I won the ACC with a sub five hundred. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I don't know if I would brag about winning with that record. No, but uh, all right. So ACC part one next week, but in between that. We actually have a uh, kind of an interesting guest that's coming on. It, it never occurred to me, which I should have done it earlier in the offseason, but it never occurred to me. I was like, holy shit, I have a college football team in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Why don't I fucking send him a message and see if he wants to come on the show? And I'll be damned. He's actually coming on the show. So Brent Deerman, who's the head coach at North Alabama, who has made the jump from Division Two as of a few years ago all the way to – FBS, you know, or FCS, I guess, and now to FBS, and they're going to be joining the new, what's that new conference called that they're going to be joining? I don't know. I'm actually trying to look it up right now because up until, I know at least through last season, they were in the same conference as the Fighting Camels. Ah, yes, they were indeed. So, yeah, uh, let's see here. And it actually, it might be tough to tell because the standings are from last year. So any, any conference change they had might not reflect. Well, and I don't even know that that's going to be the conference that they end up joining. I mean, it may be, right. there's so much realignment. It may be, they may end up in the conference USA, you know? Okay. So but they, I think yeah. it's like the, the they were United, in the United yeah, last, college, something. I can't remember what it's called. Last year they were in the Atlantic sun conference. Ah, Yes. With uh, Jacksonville State, who is now an FBS team, Correct. Austin, Austin P, Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas, Kennesaw State, and uh, North Alabama struggled in the conference. We'll find out in a couple of days how we think they're going to do this. Oh yeah, season. I went and watched them play one time last year, and it was the one, the lone game that they won, the lone conference game. Man, they were bad last year. It was bad. It was not good. It was, uh, man, it was ugly. But uh, Coach Deerman is coming in. He was the offensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic last year. He was at Kansas before that as a a quarterback's coach and then the OC. So be some really good head coach perspective on what it's like to be a head coach in college football now with all these new fucking crazy ass rules and just the wild wild west so pretty exciting man i'm I'm excited to talk to him and he's a young guy he's like uh i think he's my age i think he's 38 so you know young fiery dude we'll see what uh what he's got to say man i think it's gonna be a really interesting conversation yeah, they close the season with a big game. They got a big road oh trip. My oh, my God. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about that. How the <laughs> hell do you keep your guys focused when you got Florida State on the back end of the schedule? Oh my, my goodness. God. Yeah, hey, Central, Central Arkansas is now a trap game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, man. It's pretty wild. So we'll see. Looking forward to that. We're going to have that conversation on Thursday, so we'll have that out for you on Friday. And we'll have, uh, by the time you hear this episode, 
Um, it'll be a couple of days from then. So we'll have this one out for you tomorrow and we're recording on a Tuesday here. So, um, until then you guys can find us on the interwebs at South end zone pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair and, uh, other sort of big news, Eric, I guess we could just put it out now. We're just up under an hour here. Uh, this fall, we're going to be going to two shows a week, man. That's the plan. Um, instead of trying to squeeze in recap and preview, we're just going to kind of give each of those aspects that their own shorter segment. We just really, we don't want to drag episodes out to, you know, an hour and 20 minutes or hour and a half. So yeah, because some of these weeks, I mean, you, if you catch a week four where there's just like 12 big games you want to cover, right. you can't give them their due diligence, man. So I feel like it'll be uh, really good. We can, you know, go from having one hour and 10 minute episode to two 35 minute episodes, you know, so yeah, that, so starting much better. Starting the Tuesday after week one, um, mm-hmm. you guys will be getting episodes. I believe we're looking at Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, well, they'll get one Monday morning, probably, uh, Monday or, you know, Tuesday morning. It depends. I haven't decided whether it'll be Monday or Tuesday morning. Ideally it would be Monday morning, um, that we could just get it out for the recap and then they'll get the preview for the week on ideally Wednesday. So I'm looking Mm -hmm. at Monday and Wednesday to try to get those out because we don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of Thursday night games that are starting to pop up in college football. So we like to get out the, the bets before that. So we'll see what happens, but ideally Monday and Thursdays this fall, you'll uh, be able to hear our show recaps on Monday and then previews on Wednesday for the week. So, because the lines always come out on Tuesday. So, uh, some of them on Monday, but they're all out by Tuesday. So we're going to try to focus on that and put out two shows a week in a little bit shorter form. So it should be a lot uh, lot better listen and a lot more fun for us since we don't have to drag the episodes out so long and I don't have to sit and edit forever. And uh, we're also going to be going to video, man, going to the YouTube machine. Yeah, I'm going to trim the beard. Yeah. Get presentable. <laughs> Fuck that. You don't have to trim the beard. Show up looking homeless, dude. I don't care if you show up looking like the Unabomber. It's totally fine. We'll see. (laughs) I'll be the clean cut one of the podcast. Yeah, I I guess depending on when we do that, because I would prefer to keep it short through the summer because I'm I'm in, I live in Georgia, which is also, you know, hell's antechamber. Uh, Correct. It's just, I, I can only deal with so much of my face in this heat. So by the time we get to the fall, Maybe Grizzly Adams it up a little bit, but oh yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to shaving my beard off. I've, I've got a pretty, uh, it's pretty wicked right now from my norm. And uh, man, I've got drill here in a couple of weeks, so I'll be happy to shave this bad boy off and get back to having a cool face uh, for the rest of the summer. And then I'll uh, start growing it back out for the winter mm. time. So should be good. But uh, that is going to be it for us this week. Again, we'll be talking to Coach Brent Deerman from North Alabama later this week, and we'll have that for you. And then next week we'll be covering the ACC, at least part of it. Uh, Hopefully we'll split them up a little bit better than we did the Big 12 and have some good and some bad on the first (laughs) half. But until then, catch you guys later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.